Welcome to the Inspiro Podcast, a podcast exploring personal growth, leadership, strategy, communication, and fulfillment. We are your hosts, Jason Luchtefeld and Bill Woodburn. I'm here as a dentist, transitioning into a career to help facilitate individuals and their organizations towards a more fulfilling future. Hi there, I'm Bill Woodburn, and I'm a licensed professional counselor and licensed marriage and family therapist in Austin, Texas. I'm fascinated by the way people come together to solve problems, whether that's couples or families, dental practices or organizations. We're going to be exploring a lot of topics, and for us to be able to be free to do that, I have to let you know that this is not intended to be dental advice or counseling advice. That's right. There are a lot of options out there for <clears throat> learning how to navigate those conversations. In my opinion, some better than others. I think there's things like uh, motivational interviewing that might have some positive um, positive attributes in how they were created. But I think there's probably just as many people now that have used that to abuse the technique to try to get what the dentist wants, not what the patient wants or needs. Uh, many years ago, I remember a first question from a dentist, you know, learning that I was teaching AI. I said, great. How can I get my patients to want to do this? Right. I said, we already got a problem here. <laughs> yeah. This is about getting them to do your plan. You know, getting them to give you what you want. And already... And it's not only a problem with the patient, that's going to be really frustrating for the dentist. Because if, if, if even really good dentistry becomes this sort of ideal that must be maintained and that, that my success and self-image is based on me achieving this and I need the patient's cooperation, but so I can do this thing that really helps my self-image at first, I'm going to try to control the patient. And when I can't do that, I'm going to start resenting the patient because they have access to something I need for my self-esteem. Ooh, that's a, don't put yourself in that spot. That's, you can hurt yourself. So now I'm going to contradict myself. <laughs> Good. Let's do that. And <clears throat> I think, again, especially new dentists run into the opposite problem as well, that <laughs> they... <laughs> They decide they get they get beat up a few times over the first six months with people declining treatment mm -hmm. recommendations. And so they stop diagnosing as much. And they start saying, Oh, the people in my practice don't want better treatment. My patients all just want uh basics. They all they just want to wait till it hurts. All my patients just want this. And that also comes from a place of not knowing how to have the conversation in a way that provides for growth yes, uh, and learning and education. And not everybody says yes the first time. And so being able to say, here's what's going on. Here's what I think would be best to benefit you. Why don't you think about it? And being okay with that as a dentist. I'm going to push that a little far farther. Uh, I remember reading some of Rachel Naomi Remen's work, who was a pediatric oncologist. Over and over, she had to break the bad news to the parents. 
I mean, that's a job. I'm not sure I could do that job. It's a, there are a lot of folks, counselors included, that really don't want to give the bad news. That it affects us. It makes us feel bad. Many of us are in these helping professions because we want to help people. We want to make it better for people. And sometimes we have to tell them things aren't better or things aren't going to be better or they could be better, but you probably don't have the money. And and, and breaking the bad news. And so I, I think there's a certain set of dentists out there that that kind of undershoot and don't want to tell people how bad the dental problem is, how expensive good dentistry is, because they just don't want to break the bad news. Yeah. So part of that is rejection, right? They don't want to be rejected. And then what's the other part? I feel like you're you're kind of alluding to a different reason for not breaking the bad news as well something that we spend a lot of time as counselors learning how to do is sit with people who are undergoing tragedy or difficulty or anger at the world because of something that's happened and that's actually a real skill it's being able to for me to calm myself to be available to have boundaries without blocking myself off to have empathy without getting swamped a lot of pieces here that they don't train dentists to do. So you're in the conference room with someone and you say, oh, you know, this is great. We can do two implants and, you know, this will all, you know, some bridge work and your mouth will be great. And the, the patient starts crying and she says, my husband is divorcing me and, you know, I won't have health insurance for long. And da, 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 you know, and then the dentist is going, I, there's this lady crying in the uh, get me out of here. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know what to do. And and I'm not making fun of that because no, it's what it service. It's an actual skill. It takes actual yeah. training yeah. to do that um, and to do it both well, but also to protect yourself. And so I get it. The, the dentist is like, I don't want to talk to people who are going to cry or worse, get angry at me. Or get angry at the world. Why do you charge so much for dentistry? You know how much I make? You know, you know how little I get paid for, you know, and here you are and you're charging da 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 da. It's like that's that's hard to do in a small conference room sitting through, you know, two and a half feet mm. from this guy who's really angry. But I'm only human. I'm gonna switch gears. Well, let me let me let me kind of wrap that up a little bit. Uh, just to remark that, you know. For folks that are listening to this and go, yeah, oh man, that happens to me. I'll, I'll get in that really emotionally uncomfortable situation. Not a technically uncomfortable situation. Emotionally uncomfortable situation. And that there are things there I can't control and the patient's having emotions. And I want to be patient-centered. But, oh man, that's going to just ruin my day. Um, I hope you're also hearing that this is something you can learn how to do. It's something you can practice doing. You can. It's something that you can take small bites of. And learn to be both present with, and it's it's not as dangerous as it feels when you're in the midst of it. So if someone's saying, "Oh yeah, that's me," what do I do? Th you can actually learn that skill. But to add to that a little bit, I think there would be a lot of value in having <laughs> in making sure that there are multiple people in the office that have that skill. Sure. I'll add, I'll add an, an extra piece, and this doesn't 
crop up a bunch, but I think it's more out there than than I think is I'm I'm not sure that the dentists I'm working with who are talking to the patient and are going to talk about a $30,000 dental project over the course of whatever. Sometimes I don't think they believe that it's worth charging that for. Mm-hmm. I mean, they know in an objective sense, okay, you know, I got yes. this office, I got to pay these people, but, but we're almost down to a self-esteem question. Do what I, I do, what I know, is it actually worth that kind of money? Can I actually look at my patient eye to eye without blinking and say $30,000 without looking away, feeling awful, wondering if it's really worth that? If I just said something stupid, um, I, I think there's a certain amount of that out there. Yeah, that's a good point. As things add up, uh, I would say it's <laughs> less common with dentists, but not out of out of the question. Much more common with team members. Oh yes, good point. Good and point. if we have if we have an office where we're expecting team members to help provide treatment plan presentations. <laughs> then they need to be taught how to do that. Or if if they can't talk about numbers over $5,000, then they shouldn't be presenting treatment plans that are over $5,000. So that's uh, really important. Which brings us to money. Oh, money, yeah. Uh, another, this is a big struggle. And it really wasn't part of the conversation when I came out of school. But it wasn't too long after I graduated that it started to make the headlines occasionally. And that is the amount of debt that dental students are now graduating with. So I did a quick Google and the average debt of a graduating dentist in 2022. Do you want to take a guess? No, I'm not. I'm not going to. $293,000. Wow. That's average. Yes. That's that's not the highest. That's the average. And there are, I think there's 60 dental schools now, something like that. Mm -hmm. So do the math. Um, So I bring this up because a major struggle that dental students have coming out of school, going into practice is how am I going to afford to do this? Mm -hmm. How do I pay my loans back? and also pay for the life I want. Uh, How long am I going to have to put the life I want on hold in order to pay this back? And if I'm an associate and I don't have control over the office, how long does it take me to do a filling and a crown? And how much do I get paid for that? How does that affect my treatment planning? Because as much as we try to disassociate that, if we know that we have to make... um, $10,000 a month in order to just pay our bills. Well, most of us are going to start doing the math in our heads. That means I have to produce dentistry. And I'm going to add a couple more pieces. How do I not resent my patients for refusing dentistry or taking the cheaper route? Mm -hmm. And how do I not resent my team members who want to be well-paid and are highly skilled and, and dedicated, but I'm I'm not taking home enough money to cover all my bases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that that stress, that pressure 
is is real and is a powerful influencer on what drives dentists into certain jobs away from certain practices. I think that's part of what is pushing people away from practice ownership because Mm -hmm. practice ownership means you are, you're, you're delaying eating that marshmallow for, and it's more debt on top of your debt. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. You already got, you already got one big piece. What now you're going to have two big pieces. Yeah. 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 So finding a way to get comfortable with that and, there is only so much you can do to offset that stress. You know, I I haven't been there. Um, I w- when I graduated, my the dental school I went to was in the bottom five for cost. So uh, I don't know if it still is, but uh, that was a blessing in disguise for me. It's not something I even researched back when I was exploring that stuff. Uh, it wasn't even on the top of my mind. Because it just wasn't talked about uh, as a as an issue. Now it is a major issue, and it's talked about all the time. And the questions has started to become: Has dental school priced itself out of the market? And do can can dentists expect the same kind of career financially as they expected 10, 15 years ago? And I don't have an answer for that. And I'll add a little piece to that is um, we talk about wanting patient-centered practices. And one of the things that is an absolute guarantee on a patient-centered practice is you're going to be running fewer patients per day through that practice. Because a patient-centered practice requires more time per patient interaction. There's no way around it. Oh, we we can shrink it. We can make it more efficient with emotional intelligence, like you're more efficient with everything else, but there's kind of an irreducible amount of needing to talk to patients and needing to spend time with them. That's just a piece of it. And then you think about that debt and -hmm. things would be so much nicer if I could just run a patient, two patients, three more patients to predict. I mean, how many patients could I, if I just didn't talk to these people, Mm-hmm. I mean, I get it. We, we we talk about, you and I talk about patient-centered practice. But, you know, it may be those debts are pricing, putting people out of the reach of having the kind of lovely patient-centered, community-oriented practice that a lot of people dream of. Right. It's got to be more efficient and a little more corporate, even if it's, you know, dentist-owned. Mm-hmm. metrics and how we doing this and you know the same thing for counselors who by the way don't come out with that much debt but significant and one of the problems that we're starting to bump into is how much uh, an hour of counseling time needs to be particularly here in Austin with pretty stiff leases on offices most of my interns are coming in with serious debts they have to pay and serious expenses to live in this area. And it's like, well, but I need to charge this, but I'm a relative, relative beginner who frankly, isn't quite worth that. (laughs) Right. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) You know, but I need to charge that or go out of business. So the line becomes real delicate. 
with what do I need to charge per hour versus what I what it takes to live versus what I can do, what I'm worth, what will people just even pay before they just start saying, mm, no, I just, I'll live with this. That's a tough one. It's going to be even more tough in the next five years. We'll see where it goes. Uh, could you talk a little bit about how, so I think this is really common in dentistry. We've to, to become a dentist, you have to go through a lot of school. Some, mm-hmm. uh, there was a time that dental dental school graduates talked about how traumatic dental school was. Yeah. I don't think that's nearly what it was then. In fact, I had a great dental school experience. Uh, had great instructors, had good classmates, um, had fun, learned a lot. With that said, when I graduated, it was a big deal to say I'm a dentist. Yes. yes. So the idea that now we're attaching our identity to oh yeah this role. So you're you're the expert in <laughs> in roles and how those roles define us or we define ourselves in those roles. Can you talk a bit about how we graduate as a dentist or a counselor or a physician and that takes over? Part of it is yes that the difference between a profession and a job is in a profession, we become it. It becomes an, a piece of our identity. Now, hopefully not totally taking over our identity, but if you're a physician, if you're a dentist, if you're a counselor, um, these days, if you're an engineer or an architect, there there is a role to inhabit there. Uh, again, as I always tell my interns, all of a sudden, you know, now when you go out to eat, you're representing yourself. You're representing the profession. Your you, brand. You, you <laughs> yeah. can't. You, you can't just you know throw on dirty t-shirts and go out there and you know um, get drunk at the at the local bar. It, it doesn't. It doesn't happen anymore for you because you you are now a counselor. You are now a dentist, and and people. You have an idea of what that role means, but the community has an idea of what that role means. And one of the difficult things. I think for all of us, but particularly for Dennis, is um, nobody likes you guys very much. True, <laughs> you know, there is just this, and it's. I think it's. I think it's terribly undeserved. Thanks for reminding it, me, Bill. Thanks a lot. <laughs> uh, it might have been, you know, more deserved. I don't know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, but it. It's now a meme, as they say of the sort of, you know, cruel dentist that nobody wants to to go to. Um, And so that's still out there. And people still make dentist jokes or react. I'm sure I need a long, slow root canal. Say, ah. We just just lost another thousand people to dentistry right there. (laughs) Um, So, yes, um, it's it's, it's a problem inhabiting an identity that's got kind of an uncertain social, cultural reputation. And also, just in general, in the last, well, accelerating the last 10 years, but certainly the last 20, um, it's, 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 it, institutions are less trusted than they used to be. And dentistry and being a dentist or a counselor or a physician are all institutions 
Now we think of, oh, it's just me and you. And yeah, that's fine. But if somebody from the outside is seeing us as part of this institution that they trust less and less and less. Uh, certainly at my age, I can remember a time when the if the dentist said it or the physician said it, that was just the way it was. You you didn't actually, you know, there was no internet check, but even so, you you, you know, you, you didn't really, you just assumed that that was right. And it was probably what you needed to do. And, and yes, doctor was a very frequent answer. And that's been eroding over time. Just when dentists are making more and more, uh, a bigger investment, not just in dollars, but in time and in focus. And if, you've, if you're a practice owner in, in that sense of responsibility, right at the time when more patients are walking in and you, you tell them something, it's like, mm, I think I'll get on the internet and find out if you're lying to me or not. Ooh, that hurts. That mm-hmm. hurts after that kind of dedication. It just hurts. Yeah, I think you're right too. That is much more prevalent across more topics. Mm-hmm. It used to just be amalgam and fluoride. Yeah. And now it's, gosh, all kinds of things, uh, x-rays and... Well, it, it used to also be topics and now it's much more the profession and the person mm. of the uh, of the expert. Mm. It's moved. Yeah, I get it. You know, fluoride, sure, we can have a discussion on fluoride. Or, you know, somebody can come to me and say, yeah, we can have a discussion on SSRIs and whether they're any good. I mean, yeah, that doesn't actually hurt me personally. But, you know, having a discussion about uh, whether I'm just taking people's money. Oh, right. Whether a, a dentist really is doing that work or whether they really deserve this. Or it's like, whoa, no, that starts to get personal. Yeah. And now all of a sudden it hurts. And we're we're heading more in that direction than the old, uh, maybe I shouldn't get x-rays because maybe x-rays are bad. Yeah, but you can have that discussion. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Thanks again for tuning in. I think we covered some decent ground in that episode, but we're not done yet. Stay tuned for the next episode. <laughs>